The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all today. Morning, Scott. Morning, Scott. Boy, you know, we've talked about this before. We talked about it last week, how uh, changing world conditions either can or sometimes don't have too much effect on on markets and what is going on. But boy, you've got to be you got to be concerned about what we're seeing happen with Russia and Ukraine. Absolutely. You know, the the whole idea of it is just mind boggling. It's one of those yeah. things you almost thought this will never happen in our lifetime. People yeah. learn from the first and second war and other other all the other ones in between. And so, yeah, this one's rattled a few people, I have to say, because it's different. You know, you know, when, when we had the pandemic, certain people gravitated says, oh, this is terrible. And, and there's a panic and different events hit different emotional cords. And this one certainly has over the last week has as we've had a few phone calls and it's kind of interesting. It's uh, different people seem to be affected like different ways. And some people say, okay, it's a buying opportunity. Things will bounce back. Other th- people say, okay, what should we do now? And these same people are different on every crisis. And when I say crisis, it's, it's almost a crisis du jour. I'm certainly not trying to minimize this, but there's always something. There's always, you know, the financial crisis was massive across the world back in 2008, 2009. Certainly the pandemic a couple of years ago, you know, where, what would happen then? So I'll be uh, going over that in more detail later. But at the end of the day, how should this affect your long-term 40-year, 30-year plan, whatever, depending on your age? And how should this affect your planning? And, you know, that's really the bigger topic. And, and Mitch is here to bring us along on this one. Yeah, thanks, Don. Uh, Something that we bring up with all our clients in meetings is finding out what their goals are. Some are just putting away money for the sake of putting it to work, Uh, not too sure what they're going to put it away for or when they'll need it. Uh, The problem with this is many are creating a financial plan that is along the lines of set it and forget it. And you have to, and they're trusting that their financial plan is just going to do its job and they're never going to have to really adjust it. And financial plans, they're not a one and done thing. As humans, though, we're not always great at planning for a long term. Our, our team has found this true in the world of financial planning. When we talk to clients about their long term plans, one of the hardest questions for them to answer is, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, what are your goals, dreams? What, what are you trying to do with these funds? And lots of people aren't sure, but the uncertainty of not knowing affects how we also invest these funds. So each kind of term has a different vehicle to get there. And at IG, our plan is called the living plan. And the name truly speaks to what a financial plan is. It's consistently changing throughout your life to keep with your goals and dreams. I think over the last couple of years with COVID, lots of plans have been adjusted more than normal. Uh, As you mentioned before, uh, people are staying home more. Uh, People are forced to try new things and new things come with new expenses. And things that people like to do before COVID, maybe they realized, you know what, the stuff that we're doing during COVID, this is actually what we like to do now. So all those goals of what they're spending money on, they're now changed a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's a great point, Mitch. And it's, uh, you know, having the financial plan and say, okay, okay, we have this five-year goal, 10-year goal, 30-year goal, and they're always different between them. But as we talked last 
during the last show, a lot of people, and it's more like around 80% of people out there or clients of a financial planner look at it as a financial plan as an investment plan. And that's really just one part of it is what investments do you match for the goal? But you have to look at cash flow, like you're saying, you have to look at what expenses are we going through? What income is coming through? What's your after tax amount? How much can we put towards these particular goals? And if you're not measuring cash flow, I don't think you're doing your job. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, there's certainly more to investing to financial plans than just the investment portion of it. But just for the argument's sake right now, uh, I've got a little example to make this a little simpler. Let's let's say you're traveling somewhere and trip A, you're just going from your house to your store or restaurant. Uh, what types of transportation might you take? You may just walk or bike, or if it's cold out, you may drive. Uh, trip, <laughs> trip B, you're going from Hamilton to Toronto. So you're definitely not going to walk. You might bike if you're ambitious like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in the winter. Uh, I'm certainly not hopping on a bike all the way there, but uh, hey, to each throw. <laughs> it's more likely to use a car, a bus, or a train. Trip C, you're going from Ontario to Florida. You're, you might drive, but you're, you're definitely not walking or biking. So all these different trips, they represent different goals. So the short trip, you can walk. It might be a goal that's under 18 months, and this is certainly classified as a short-term goal. Short-term goals will be recommended to have dis different asset allocations in your investments than long and medium-term goals. Your short-term goal will typically be maybe in cash, a high interest savings account, or a mainly fixed income product. Uh, the way the this way, the volatility is minimal or non-existent to ensure that your, your funds are still going to be there when that goal comes up and you need to use it. So you don't want to get too risky with your investments for these short-term goals. Trip B would be a mid or a medium-term goal. It might be three to seven years. And these are a little trickier because I find these goals change more often than the long and the short-term goals. It's a little more in the gray area of, okay, are they for sure going to do that? Is this a goal that certainly needs to happen? Uh, this could be something like a wedding, maybe down the line. It could actually be a long-term goal. Maybe they're getting married in 10 plus years and you could actually have a little bit more equity exposure, but you're, you're hoping it's three to seven years. Uh, a trip, a down payment for a home. There's so many different mid-range goals there. And these ones will have definitely more equity exposure than your short-term goal, but you still don't want to have as much as your long-term goals. So the long-term goal would typically be something like retirement, or if you're really young, like 18, you're not, you're saving for a down payment for in your mid to late twenties. So it's over 10 years. And these are going to have more equities than your midterm and uh, short-term goals. Uh, you're probably going to be using these 30 to 40 years down the line if it's retirement or 10 plus years if it's a down payment for a home. But uh, not only do short, medium and long-term goals have different investments that you should be using, they also have different accounts that should be used too. Uh, should the investments be in a TFSA or should they be used in an RSP, maybe even a non-registered account? Typically an RSP will be used for the long-term goals, but if the goal is to buy a house and you haven't used the first time home buyer program, maybe instead of putting the funds in a TFSA or non-registered account, you put it in an RSP get a tax refund and use the RSP for the down payment. There are a lot of factors when it comes to planning for each goal and each one has different vehicles to use. 
So, so just out of curiosity, Mitch, um, you're mentioning wedding. How should I invest money to get ready for yours? <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was something going on there. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Is this a long term or is it short term? Like, uh... <laughs> I got no comment on that. One. <laughs> and, and, getting, you know, and, and getting back to that walking, uh, biking, or driving, I didn't hear whenever Dad gives me a ride in there at all either. So <laughs> yeah, there's, there's always Uber. There's Uber Leslie. Shout out to my mom there. Sometimes picks me up and takes me to work. <laughs> so, so, but you know what's kind of interesting, and you make you know, I love the analogy between transportation because unfortunately, people often don't use the right investments for those specific goals. So, if you take a look, it's a it's a short term goal. Well, you should be in you know really safe investments. You should not be hopping on a plane to get to the corner store, and you know you're sure to crash. And that's literally, that's speculating. That's what people are doing. They're speculating when they're doing that. Then on the opposite side, if it's a 40-year goal for retirement, you shouldn't be putting into a daily interest savings account trying to save for retirement because that's like walking to Florida. Mm-hmm. You will get there, okay? But it's going to take an awfully long time. Yeah. So again, matching the goals, like absolutely miss what you're saying, matching the goals with the vehicle is extremely important. Yeah, imagine the adventure you'd have walking to Florida, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be quite the adventure. <laughs> you'd probably have some good stories, and you'd be in great shape, I'm sure. Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Humans are interesting. They, they tend to wait and naturally implement new changes at certain periods. Like now, like in the new year, people wait for those New Year's resolutions or even milestone birthdays, like 30, 40, or 50. And uh, I know my dad's going to throw out, what are you doing at 30 in a few months? <laughs> but I'll be throwing, what are you doing at 60 in a few more months? So. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe at those ages or milestones, you have that oh moment. And they're like, oh, I better start doing this now because the clock is ticking. And your, your priorities may change. You may want to rent a place or buy a place down south that you weren't thinking about doing before. You're just going there for a week. So your goals change, your financial plan has to change with it. So if your priorities and goals change, what do you do? Well, your first step is to make sure that your new goals and priorities, they're not derailing all your other goals that you have been working towards this whole time. The last thing you want to do is decide your goal is to buy a fancy car and totally put off your RSP contributions or put off retirement goal savings. That that car is going to be really nice, but this may put off your retirement five plus years of missing that compound growth. Like you, you see this. The, the fancy car, probably more commonly for the mid 20 year olds, they get their first job and they want to get a nice car. And it's, it's actually amazing how much that actually factors into your ability to retire at a younger age. You may not be able to retire for five to 10 long, years longer just because you've got that nice car. So making sure that your goals change your financial plan is a, your, your financial planner is aware. So if you're doing stuff with major purchases, if you're buying houses, if you're buying cars, your financial planner should know about this. They're, they're the ones who are setting each, uh, use, to use that vehicle analogy again, they're setting each investment for each goal that you lay out for them. So if your goals change, your planner should know so that they can adjust your plan too, so that your long-term goals, they're not affected. Uh, your plan's just not going to adjust just because you do it. You have to tell the planner that you're going to be doing this. Common thing that we find that with RSP season, uh, many people take their tax refund from their contributions and spend it right away like it was a gift. 
If you have some medium to long-term goals that are in your plan, or you're trying to find some extra funds for new goals that you'd like to plan for, take that tax refund and put it either in your TFSA or your non-registered account. Have it working for you and create compound interest. This is a major wealth creating strategy that will certainly enhance everyone's plan by doing this. <clears throat> uh, a financial plan has a lot of moving parts. Changing goals have a ripple effect, as I just mentioned with buying that car. Uh, major ripple effect of doing a major purchase when you're young and totally putting off saving for retirement. So it's important for those large decisions to be evaluated in your plan and to make sure you have the right planning in place. Yeah, and it's actually interesting because all these, you're absolutely right. Anytime you spend a large amount of money on one thing, it means you're not putting it away for a particular goal. So now you have, that money's not earning money or growing, and therefore it, it hurts that particular goal. And maybe you have to work longer, retire later. So absolutely, it's again, trying to put everything in perspective that there is a cost and, and you should know as, as, as a client what that cost is. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group uh, Private Wealth Management. Donfox.net to find out more. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. You know, especially in the world we live in, Don, in the digital world and such, um, there's all kinds of data out there in front of us, all kinds of misinformation, all kinds of information. How do we we, uh, wade our way through all of this? Yeah, there's, and this is what is kind of mind-boggling for the average client. It's, you can get information overload. And what should you do? And particularly what you're seeing with the Russian-Ukraine situation right now, what do I do about this? And it's kind of interesting. You know, here we are at the beginning of March. And just, you know, two short months ago, we we're going back to the beginning of January. And we're thinking, okay, we just had a pretty good year in the markets last year. You, um, the leth- lethality of COVID continues to wane. The vaccination rate is high. Omicron is, is kind of going slowly. It's, it's kind of peaking a little bit maybe at the beginning of January, but it's not as lethal. Um, the world economy continues to open up. So people are certainly more optimistic. Travel's starting to go. Hotels are fully booked. Yeah, corporate earnings are continuing to advance. In fact, the stay-at-home stocks, this was always a good sign, the stay-at-home stocks actually are dropping. Mm. And kind of the rest of the stocks, kind of your normal blue chip stocks that prior to the pandemic are coming back again. So, and we're at full employment. In fact, you try to find somebody to hire if you're a, if you're a businessman and trying to get new, new employees, it's very difficult. So in both the US and Canada, um, there's talk about interest rates rising because the economy is actually a little hot. And inflation, and we're right there still, is still a concern. So with all that in mind, you think, okay, should be a pretty good year. As long as nothing comes up and messes it up, okay? <laughs> and then you got Putin 
like Any what, a, like a global pandemic or a war or anything like that? Yeah, let's call a invasion of Ukraine as an example. Yes. And and how do you change your long term plan because of this? And, and in fact, even better, like, why would you? And this is what it's absolutely imperative to. And I, I would suggest most people should have a financial planner. I'm obviously biased, but quite often it's trying to save people from themselves. Because they're, first of all, there's a lot of people watching the news, particularly seniors, because they haven't been out as much. There are, you know, there are more, there, there's more issues as far as the variant. And they're more worried. So they have a lot of time to read the news, watch the news, listen to the news. And it's hitting. And I definitely feel that this year. So, but this is still the crisis du jour. It's another crisis. And it really has nothing to do with democracy, this one. It's 100% to do with you know supplies i'll put it this way russia supplies 40 percent of europe's heating fuel natural gas and this has dropped the market has dropped about 14 percent we've been spoiled for the last little while we haven't seen much of a drop in fact in 2021 the intra-year drop was only five percent well that means somewhere throughout the year there was a dip okay well to put it in perspective, the average since 1980, so 42 years, the average drop in, in a, any given year has been 14%. So why would you change your investment policy, your financial plan based on an average drop? It doesn't make sense. And the other one, capitalism, in my opinion, is absolutely amazing. How resilient, like you go back to the pandemic, how quickly did companies adjust to not being able to see people travel to places to see people, um, do almost everything online. And the idea of getting a check, for example, have gone away almost. So it's, it's absolutely incredible how in, very, in a short few months, how capitalism can change the world. And think on that note as well, Don, um, the technology has been there for many years and this has forced us to use it. So it's advanced the world in many ways as a result of that and changed the, the template. Absolutely. In fact, uh, certain companies and most adjusted had record years. And this is why the markets continue to rise. Yeah. So capitalism is extremely creative. And if, in my own opinion, the smartest people in the world work for companies trying to make them profitable. They are geniuses of what they do and they find ways to make their company continue to make a profit. And so what you're seeing now is, okay, well, Europe is very reliant on say the natural gas of Russia. Well, how long is that gonna change to the, they'll find a different supplier? I know it's not gonna be a quick fix, but perhaps this will be good for Canada. Or, or, or other countries. And there's been chatter of that, Don, that how the liquid natural gas industry off the East Coast is going to boom uh, because of this. Uh, but it's very unfortunate we don't have pipelines in this country that can service the rest of the world with our clean energy. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah. That may come. That you know, there, pipeline might be on the, on the board again. Who knows? You, you know, you bring up a very valid point, Don, and, and we were talking about this last week, that, you know, because of the situation that we are, could we see some of these decisions reversed or has that ship sailed? And many have said, surprisingly, no, the ship has not sailed and we could very well see a reversal of this. Absolutely. I don't think any ship sailed when it comes to, uh, you know, creating a more efficient world. Yeah. And, and, and if there's a crisis somewhere, we will find, and again, 
the smartest people, the, the business owners, the corporate entities will figure a way out. They'll make it happen. Yeah. They will make it happen. And generally money talks. And again, at the end of the day, you want the consumers to be best served. Yeah. And so right now, obviously there's an issue there, a massive issue in Ukraine and, uh, but the world will figure this out. And I've never actually seen the world all jump on the same bandwagon so quickly. Yeah. Good point. Even Switzerland. Who's yeah. okay. Yeah. When you used to call people that couldn't, that didn't take a side Switzerland, well, they finally, they even taken a side. So it's very interesting not to get political, but at, from a investment standpoint, I always have a lot of faith in capitalism. In fact, if you just look through the history, you go back the last 42 years, you know, 32 years were positive. And sure, there's always negative years, but it's been a 12% rate of return on the S&P 500 for the last 42 years. And so, you know, Charlie Munger, he is, again, one of the smarter individuals. Warren Buffett's sidekick is what he's most known for, but uh, Warren Buffett would say, no, no, we're equals. Um, They run the Berkshire Hathaway Fund in the U.S., And he says, you know what, if you are selling for market timing reasons, you are probably going to make, you're very likely to make one of three mistakes because you got lots of ways to make mistakes. Now, first of all, if you think the market's going to go down, you could be wrong. It didn't go down, but let's say you're right. It did go down. You sold and it went down. Now you got to figure out when are you going to go back in? And I, I even remember a couple of people going back just before the pandemic, they sold before the pandemic. And there was always talk it was going to be a second drop or a third drop. It never happened. They never got back in. In fact, if had they have just kept the money in, they would have made more money. Not to mention for the people that had non-registered money, they triggered a big capital gain to sell. And so then they had a massive tax bill. They had to come up with that, those funds to give the government because they sold before the pandemic so the decline may not happen so that's number one number two like i said is when you go back in there's no actual bell that rings saying okay time to put the money back in this is the time it doesn't happen in fact generally speaking the media is so negative um and there's nothing positive of saying okay here's a good time to buy back in and thirdly what do you do with this money okay you sold your investments they're sitting in cash or do you buy something else? And then whatever you do, there's a likelihood you can make a mistake with that one too. So those are what Charlie Munger says. You, you have three chances to make mistakes by selling for market timing purposes. But if you look at the long, long term, go back, to, you know, what do you think the average age of retirement here is Canada, Scott, is? Uh, average age? Yeah, average. I would say, uh, well, some are working later now and some used to retire earlier. So I'll still stick around 64. Okay, not far, 62. Oh. 62. And 60, and by the way, 62 is also the, U, is the average age in the US for retirement. And so if you actually took a look at the US stock market, and the reason I use the US, it's far more diversified. Canada represents 3% of the world's stock markets. So the US is more about like 60% of the world markets. So if you take a look at the day you're born, which would have been 1960, and we're actually not too far from that ourselves, Scott, okay? So this would be somewhat appropriate. And a lot of the listeners are generally pre-retirement also in that neighborhood. So in 1960, the S&P 500 was at 58. Right now, the S&P 500 is at 
4766, 4766. Okay. Now, on top of that, these companies earn dividends. And back in 1960, the average dividend based on the uh, S&P 500 was $1.98. Now, fast forward 62 years, the dividend is $60.40. By the way, everybody says, oh, that's great, but what about inflation? Well, the CPI index was at 30 back in 1960, and now it's at 279. So what do all these numbers mean? Again, going through the data. Well, that means the S&P 500 for the last 62 years, and here we are going to retire now, has averaged 7.4%. And the dividend growth has averaged 5.6%. Inflation has been 3.66% during that time. So if you really look at this, okay, well, dividends plus the growth of the stocks, you've probably averaged about 9%. Inflation has been 3.66. That's the key. Because just because you're 62, there's a good chance you could live another 30 years. So why is this blip going to affect that? And so you really have to look at the, the market and the long run. Keep the long, as Mitch was just talking about, keep the long run in perspective. So in, in, in general, if you actually just look at numbers, inflation has gone up by nine times since 1960. Dividends has gone up by 30 times, and the stock market has gone up by 82 times for simple math. So with, without looking at the headlines, you're, you'll be far better off because it, it may affect your long-term plan. So at the end of the day, risk is risk. Warren Buffett always says about market drops and recession, it's like when the tide goes out, you'll find the naked swimmers. Okay. And... This is a time where you say, okay, what risks are people taking out there right now? Like maybe they're out on the skinny branches and this is kind of, you know, a, a cold breeze saying, oh, a little slap in the face. Okay, what are we doing? And look at your situation right now. Are you flipping houses currently? Well, you know, that's, that's a risk. That was a risk before. And we've gotten into this idea that houses will keep going up. Generally speaking, Canada is one of the highest priced housing market in the world. And I think, Mitch, you mentioned something about that not long ago. They're certainly up there. I mean, you know, it's one of the highest when Hamilton's average house is now a million dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's gone up a ton. It's certainly up there. Hamilton, Toronto, Vancouver, those are three of the most uh, unaffordable places in North America. I think they're all in the top 10. Yeah. So just to put that in perspective, um, bidding up houses right now, that has been a, a big deal. And I actually totally disagree with this whole blind bidding idea because it's actually just fueling the speculation of housing. But um, it's don't, if you're going to bid up a house, make sure you don't go right to the full limit of your affordability. So like I know the bank says you can afford this much, but look at how much you're spending on daycare costs or housing costs or even saving money. Look at the big picture when you're when you say, okay, I can afford this much. Don't go by the bank's word or the lender's word. Go have a financial planner and say, okay, here's how much you can really afford. Um, again, buying those big cars, uh, particularly a gas guzzling car. Maybe you might want to slow down on that right now with the gas prices so high. Uh, speculating on stocks. We've seen, again, the market's been rising for the last, since basically the pandemic. People are borrowing to invest and looking to flip stocks like flipping houses getting into cryptocurrencies, buying NFTs, 
doing a lot of things that, you know, it's okay if you know the risk and know how it fits in your plan, but you don't want to, you know, basically caught, be caught one of those naked swimmers with your pants down. So I've had the, I've had the odd person actually contact me and message and saying, should, should we be buying the Russian dip right now? Wow. <laughs> <That's>, wow. <laughs> and uh, I like multiple times. I, I'm not sure if you've come across that as well, but I've had a few messages saying, well, should I be buying the, the Russian dip right now? And it's, it's such a gamble to like 50, 50, it, maybe in many, many years, it may come back, but it could take long time and your goals may be passed down by then or it could just you, tank to, it could go to zero and that reminds me of you know the days of the 80s when you know uh, reagan and gorbachev bring down this wall and everybody thought the, the you know the new russia was taking off and really compared to you know where china is right now what has russia done in the last 30 years oh, yeah. so there, there's a lot of investors so I, I, not too long ago it was actually about a year ago that they had the amc and the gamestop situation and the, the, these investors not typical investors, they have the motto to just buy the dip, that it's ingrained in their yeah, motto. And yeah. if the market dips and it's so down, it's like, okay, I have to buy it. So they and, see all these Russian stocks tanking right now. And it's just ingrained in their brain. Like, oh, I buy the dip, right? Yeah. So what advice, I, what advice do you have for those people? If you're going to buy something that's down, it has to be a great long-term company, something like Apple. If it goes down 20%, Apple's going to be good long-term, but with Russian companies, that's that's a total gamble. Yeah, this is totally, it, it is speculating. This is going to Vegas. If you're going to buy on the dip of the Russian stock market, we have to make sure we're very clear. This is the Russian stock market, not the, the US <laughs> and the Canadian market is not going down to zero, but the Russian stock market, who knows? It is, it is uh, and, and in fact, even our emerging market fund has no, exposure to the Russian stock market, just to give you an idea how risky it is. But if you feel you want to roll the dice and say, okay, there's some Russian stocks. Hey, it's if there's more risk than that, there's the Russian stocks and the Russian currency. And when you buy Russian stocks, you have to buy the Russian ruble and who's to say which one goes down faster. So at the end of the day, look at your long-term plan, speak to your financial planner and say, okay, this is just another blip. This um, this crisis du jour is another flavor of ice cream. It's still ice cream and things will do very well over the long term. Okay, so what should I buy? Crypto or the Russian dip? I don't know. Uh, we're planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox, Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more, or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. You know, we've talked about this many times, uh, both Don and Mitch, about uh, technology, how it opens up. Uh, opportunity for scam, that sort of thing. But boy, when you add in, whether it's a global pandemic or a world conflict, things can, uh, things can get pretty hairy. Um, what advice do you have for people um, who are confused about what they see? 
Yeah, I was actually just talking about how without Wi-Fi or technology, this pandemic would have been totally different. Those markets that Don just spoke about, um, you probably would not have seen the markets do so well if we didn't have Wi-Fi and technology. But with technology, among other things, come risks. Uh, not only is financial planning about saving, investing in tax planning, but with all this effort, we want you to be able to keep all of your funds. And now more than ever, with all this technology, there are scams all the time. And they're finding new ways to do it. Uh, I constantly get text messages, phone calls, emails, you name it. I'm getting these almost on daily basis at this point. And it's very topical right now because Doug Ford just announced that they're going to refund everyone their license plate stickers. And for the majority, they hear this and they, they're just going to read the title or they might just hear it and they might tune out the rest. They just assume they're getting a refund and they'll, they'll find out soon how they get that. But if they kept listening or kept reading, they'll actually hear or read that the checks are going to be sent in the mail towards mid to end April. But scammers, they hear this and they, they hear an opportunity. They hear, okay, they think they're going to get a refund. So I'm going to start, we're going to start sending out text messages saying, click here to get your refund for your license plate sticker. And it doesn't stop there. They're, they're sending out emails and they'll take you through a few steps and they'll get some personal information, whether that be your bank account, your social insurance number, credit card, they're, they're after everything. And right now, many people are receiving these text messages all the time. And Scams, they're on, they're on the rise. In 2021, $379 million was lost to scams and fraud. And that's just in Canada. Last year was a historic year for financial losses reported to the Canadian Anti-Fraud anti Centre. This is an increase of 130% compared to 2020. And especially during COVID, when the majority of shopping was done online, this was a total green light for scammers. With so much shopping, ha shopping happening online, lots of people always had multiple orders in the mail at a time. I, I know I certainly did. It's tough to keep track of which one's coming from where and when they're coming. And some companies actually do like DHL. I got a text message saying that my shipping's on the way and it was a legitimate text, but scammers will send texts that look very similar and they'll take you through these and they'll ask for your credit card. You have to update. You might have to pay some duty at the border. Uh, there's so many different scams and I, I like I've admit that I, I clicked on even one just and it took me to a link and it's it was clearly a scam after that because they're asking for my social insurance number and Amazon definitely not asking for my social insurance number for any any just day-to-day -day products so how do you recognize phishing texts and emails they may look like they're from bank credit card companies or a payment site but they do just have distinguished differences in them uh, but I will say the bank and government, they're not going to be texting you for personal information. This is an immediate red flag and should not be pursued at all. I, I can't tell you how many times the government border calls me, uh, says I'm being arrested or <laughs> I have an illegal package at the border. And it's always automated. It's like, I, I should have been arrested about a thousand times by now, I swear. <laughs> but phishing emails will often tell a story and try to trick you into clicking the link to follow instructions. Say they have noticed suspicious activity or login attempts. They may claim there's a problem with your account or payment method. Uh, say you may confirm some personal information. They may have fake invoices. They may want you to click a link to make a payment. Say you're eligible for government refund. This is a common one. Uh, or outstanding taxes. Or they may just say that you want a trip to the Caribbean or offer a care or, or something like that. Some sort of gift, maybe $100.
And these, these emails, they're going to look extremely real. And an example of a scammer using a net, using Netflix, for example, it looks great. The whole, the whole email looked amazing, but the difference was that it was a just saying, hi, dear. I, I don't know how personal Netflix is getting with people these yeah. days, but I can guarantee you they're not saying hi, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be addressed with your name. They have all of your personal information. They know your name, your address. They're not going to be addressing you with dear. This is a clear clue that this is certainly a fake. And it's interesting because uh, we get so used to thinking we need to react to this thing where almost your default position should be, I'm not going to react to this. And if it is something that is legitimate, they'll eventually get a hold of me anyway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great point. And that's how do you protect yourself? Is if you get a text or email, you have to ask yourself, do you even have an account with that company? I, I've personally had it, someone call and say that I had a problem with my Apple computer. And just for argument's sake, I let them take me through what they were trying to do. And they try to take you to a checkout to buy a gift card to send to some foreign country. But then I tell them I don't even have an Apple computer. <laughs> and uh, they say, oh, no, wait, never mind. I'm at your Microsoft. So they know what they're doing, but they take uh, guesses of what kind of computer you get. Maybe my Apple was more popular at the time. So they took a calculated guess of which one's going to be correct for me. But never, never give out any personal information through text or emails. At the bank, the government, they're not texting you. And make sure if you do think it might be accurate, call the CRA, call the bank. Don't ever give out anything through text or email. Uh, it's not going to work out well. And keep all of your money. You're working hard to earn it and to save it. Make sure that you're not losing it by something like this. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. And you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Some advice for uh, retirement and studies and planning the future. Yes, and, and believe it or not, while we were in break there, can you believe it that Mitch actually got a call? Yeah. A, a scam call. So it's like, okay, it's like they're even listening to the show. So, yeah. Clearly buyer they're beware. tapped in. Buyer, yeah, no kidding. Buyer beware. And, again, they do hit seniors particularly. The over 50 crowd is the most hit. And uh, as, as Mitch said, it's, it's a lot of money that's being I'm just being unfortunately taken away from people. So I can't say that enough. And if it's uh, your mother, father, that's kind of new to the internet, make sure you teach them about the whole idea of scams. So there was uh, in the last week there, uh, Bank Montreal came out with their annual retirement study. Um, and the average amount Canadians believe they need to retire has increased by 12% in the last year. And, it, and, and funny enough, uh, fewer than half of, of Canadians are confident they'll have enough to achieve this. So with inflation and, and everything going on, people feel that they need a, a lot more money. In fact, they think they, they need $1.6 million to retire. And this is up 12% over last year. And 
right off the get-go, I do question, how did they come up with this number? Uh, there's a lot of things that go into a financial plan. And of course, what is that right number? It depends on your burn rate. Uh, what's your lifestyle? Do you have a pension fund? Do you have, what assets do you have? Are they registered or non-registered? That makes a difference in how they're going to be taxed when you pull the money out. So this is all part of a financial plan. But again, the study probably didn't go into that detail. They simply asked, how do you feel about it? And 1.6 seemed to be the number. Um, they've also kind of gone through exploring the expectation level and saying, okay, how confident are you to retire? And so they, first of all, and the nice thing is they broke it down by province. And I thought this was kind of cool. So which province do you feel is the most confident that they'll be retiring? Okay, Scott. Quebec. Quebec? Yeah. Huh. Uh, you know what? They were actually a little lower on the totem pole, 43%. In That's fact, the, the worst was 37% was Atlantic provinces, not far from the prairie provinces. So both Atlanta provinces and prairies were the worst in terms of confidence. Um, the best, I, and I wouldn't have guessed this actually, Scott, is 51% was the best confidence ranking and it was Albertans. Really? Yeah. In, in spite of their oils up and down natural resource thing, I thought they would be a little lower than that. Followed not too far from Ontario. Ontario was 46%. Now, with that, we say, okay, well, how about making RSP contributions? Last week was the deadline, and March 1st, and making a contribution before the March 1st deadline. Who was the best? Scott had it right this time. I won't even let you have a second chance. Quebec mm. was the best. They actually contribute the most. So I, I think about it. So, okay, they weren't that confident. So maybe they are saying, okay, we got to put a bunch of money away. So 61% made a contribution before the March um, 1st deadline. But it doesn't seem to affect the Atlantic provinces because they were the least. Even though they weren't confident at all, they still didn't put money away. And that might be uh, education. It might be the fact they don't have the funds. Uh, the, the best ones, and there's a whole slew of them, Ontario, Prairies, BC, and the national average, actually 58% is the average of people making RSP contributions. So the, the survey actually went into the insights of a retirement plan and said, okay, what is the golden age? As I guess, what is that retirement? And we talked about earlier, the average age is 62 to retire. And so approximately 23% of Canadians plan to retire between the ages of 60 and 69 with the average at 62. But this one I thought was kind of interesting. Eyes on early retirement. 23% of Canadians are planning to retire early and would like to retire at age 54. Wow. Yeah. That's, e that's even better than Freedom 55 in the old days. Yeah. Uh, how they expect to get there, I'm not quite sure, but they like to be there. And so this was an interesting, and again, we often talk about on our show over the years, how Freedom 55 is extremely difficult to achieve. And, and in fact, actually the average age of uh, the Canadian retirement has actually been going a little deeper now, as you mentioned earlier in the show, it's getting a little older. So so more than half, 53% of Canadians don't actually know how much they'll need to retire. And so when they came up with the 1.6 million, really, they're just guessing. And this is the part that I really felt, okay, here's the opportunity. Why are you guessing on something so important? You wouldn't guess, am I going to go on a trip and I'm going to fly to Europe? You wouldn't guess if you're going to be able to catch your flight or, or which areas you're going to go visit. You would actually know. You'd plan these things. And I actually... You know, 
I, I find more people, a lot of people spend more time on their vacation plan and certainly in the past, maybe not during COVID, than they actually do on their financial plan. So, but again, contribution motivators, um, why are they you know, getting an RSP? 66 uh, did contribute to an RSP, which is good. And it's the whole idea, but why are they doing it? Well, 60, two thirds of people are, are doing it for retirement purposes. 23% are there are adding to an RSP to achieve financial independence, which to me isn't too different. I think they're close cousins. 14% are saving for early retirement, which if only 14% are saving for early retirement, it makes me wonder how they're going to retire 54. Yeah, okay. really. <laughs> but uh, you, you haven't factored the lottery into this, Don. No, I guess not. But, but the advice-based confidence, 79% of Canadians rely on a financial advisor this was key, which is a 9% increase from 2020. So there's been a lot of people using it, financial advisors, which is fantastic. And with those, they feel a lot more confident. It's about 53% are more confident they'll hit retirement. Now, I thought that number was low because I thought, you know, what's 53%? It's just still a flip of a coin to me. I don't think they have the right type of advisor. And this is where do you have an actual financial advisor with a CFP, a certified financial planning, or do you have an investment plan? And there's a big distinction between the two. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Look at what you're getting right now. You're paying the service either way through the fees, through the investment. You should get the best. Your, your retirement really depends on it. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.